Welcome to Cycle Breakers and Moneymakers, a podcast for women of color and first gen who are breaking generational cycles and glass ceilings by going places no one before them has ever gone. I'm your host, leadership coach and eldest daughter of immigrants, Mariella Delamora. I left a 16 year marketing career to create a multiple six figure a year coaching business as a single mom. Each week, you'll learn how to build unshakable self trust, become in demand lead with confidence, and make more money by being more of who you are. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce our guest today. She is a client of mine. She has just done incredible things this year, and I just can't wait for her to share her story. So today we are joined by Rosa Revuelta. She is a leadership coach to First Gen. She is also an eldest daughter, and she's a single mama to a two-year-old. So Rosa began as my private client in January of this year. She was six months into her business and had brought in about 5K at the time, and she was just absolutely determined to make her coaching business, like not only her career, but a catalyst for an incredible life for her and her son, which she has done and is doing. And we're going to talk about that today. And by the end of our first six months together, she had brought in 50K and that has continued to grow, which we'll talk about today. So she's now in Reclamation Mastermind, where she is on track for a six-figure year. She is booked out with a wait list until January. We are currently recording in October. She's landed five-figure contracts. She's hit a multiple five-figure month or months. She's just continued to land corporate coaching contracts, private clients, speaking engagements. And just this past weekend, she moved into the two-bedroom townhome that she put on her vision board at the end of July. Like We literally talked about this house on our last private coaching call before she transitioned into reclamation. I went back recently and looked at the notes and like she just walked me through her house And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, you literally manifested this house. Like, I'm just so, so excited. So today we're going to talk about how Rosa got here, the biggest lessons that she learned along the way, the biggest shifts that she made, not just as an entrepreneur, but also as a mom and, you know, how that included changing her relationship with like self-care and mom guilt and like asking for help and not doing it all. So we are going to share all of these lessons today on today's episode, and I'm just so excited. So let's dive in. Hello and welcome, Rosa, and thank you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Marielle. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for your podcast. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. It has definitely been a long time coming. And it's like funny because when we were working together, there were so many times where I was like, I just, I need to hurry up and have a podcast so we can talk about these things and these shifts because it's just been so amazing. And I think that with you in particular, like with you, you know, us having so many like shared backgrounds, I was like, I want people to know what is possible, especially with being, you know, a single parent and and everything that you've accomplished. So I'm, I'm excited for you to be able to just like share that with us today. First question I wanted to ask you was like, as I was introducing you and kind of just like recapping, like this has been 2023 for you, like what came to mind? Because I know that sometimes it's easy to forget like how much we've accomplished, but our coaches always know what came to mind as I was introing you. You, you, you did such a good job at introducing people. Thank you. And I, 
I think that I just don't spend enough time reflecting on all the growth because I just keep going and how often that's just our automatic response to like keep going and keep moving. And honestly, being able to have you to reflect it back to me is really helpful for me to slow down and be like, okay, yes, you have done all of these things. All of these things have happened and you've made them happen. And I think one of the things that you said is so important, like I haven't done it by myself because I've made sure this year more than any other year in my life that I've had support. Yes, absolutely. And like support, not just for like business, but it was like in your life. And I feel like when you have so much going on, like if you have a part-time job and you're a parent, that actually almost has to come first because your life is so busy. And I don't know that people like fully realize that, that like when you don't have weekends, you don't get to sleep in, you know what I mean? Like there's already so much of your time and energy that goes towards pouring into, you know, these other things. So you've definitely done that in terms of like not doing it all and reshifting like the hyper-independence, which I know that a lot of daughter of immigrants (laughs) very much have. And it's like a badge of honor to be hyper-independent. You know, like I can do it all by myself. I That was always something that I was so proud of, that I figured out so much of my life on my own with very little help. And it's not I'm not going to say there was no one to guide me or support me ever, but it, it wasn't, I had to really, really like make an effort to find those people. But most of the time I was just like, well, I guess I just got to figure it out on my own. And I just did it. And then I felt so proud of myself for doing it. So And I think that that absolutely makes sense. It's like you're almost shifting out of and being so proud of doing it all. Now you're proud of like the decisions that you've made and how supportive you are and and all of that and letting that be a shift. So I would, I know that we kind of started a little backwards because like I just really was like, I want to know like what you were thinking as I was introducing you. But I would love if you would just tell the listeners a little bit about like you and your story and like what makes you unique as a coach. Sure. So I, like you said, I am the eldest daughter of immigrant parents. My parents came to the United States just a few months before I was born from uh, Michoacan, Mexico. And they had come to the U.S. before, but this was the first time like coming as a family, like with me on the way. And we didn't have a lot of people here. Like we didn't have family. So that meant that as I grew up, I became like another support person in the family. That meant I was responsible for helping them figure out how to navigate the United States, how to apply for things, um, supporting them and supporting the rest of my siblings as they navigated like school. I went and I was a translator. I was the person, took my brother to doctor's appointments by myself because sometimes they just needed somebody to do that at some point. I was older by that point, (laughs) but I like doing those things. I helped Yeah, I helped my parents do all of the immigration documents. Like my family is documented. A lot of them are because when I was eight, I filled out all the paperwork for them. And, you know, when you're doing it, you don't realize that it's a thing that's actually a big deal because it's just a part of your normal life. Yeah, You know, they're just the things you did. But I have just always been that person in my family. And I didn't realize until recently that it also meant that's why I went into helping professionals. So a lot of my career has been in nonprofits, really advocating for clients, mostly in the domestic violence, sexual assault field, like advocating for them within the courts, within all of these systems. And I'm like, oh, it makes sense now because that's what I did for my family. So it was just like an automatic comfort for me 
even though it wasn't comfortable, you know, to be the person yeah. like having to advocate with law enforcement, with district attorneys, with all these people with more positional power or more authority than me. And I had to just do it. And sometimes I'm like, how did I do that? I'm like, oh, it was because familiar. I had to do it with my parents. So it made sense that like I was already used to talking with two people with authority. I didn't know that part of your story. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it was just familiar. And actually, you know, it'd be, you'd be surprised to see how many like first gen, especially like daughters of immigrant parents are in the nonprofit field because it is this automatic, like we go from helping parents to helping other people. And I knew at that point, nothing about the coaching industry, but I always knew I wanted to have my own business. Like since I think really early on, my parents had a restaurant growing up, they had their business. I knew I didn't want that type of business. And so uh, I always knew I wanted it to do that, but it was actually in 2021, that's when I was expecting Santiago. And after I had him, I realized that when I worked in my day job, a nonprofit, like I just was a workaholic. I worked a lot. I put in a lot of hours, again, being a really, really hardworking, otra descendencia, like something that was left for my, my parents, like you have to work hard. But I realized I didn't want to go back to that type of life, especially with my son. Like I wanted to spend time with him. I didn't want to be always at work. I imagined myself seeing him for an hour in the morning and seeing him for like two, three hours at night. And I didn't want that. So after years of dreaming about having a business, it was like my moment of it's now or never. And so I started with the thinking of what I wanted to do. And I eventually landed in coaching because I realized I wanted to fill a gap for something I had experienced in my career, where there wasn't really anybody who truly understood my experience as a first-gen Latina, a woman of color, who could really guide me. And often in my career, I felt like I was not doing enough, or I wasn't enough, or like a lot of self-doubt came up just feeling like I didn't know what I was doing often, even when I was in leadership roles. And as I evolved in leadership, I realized that other people feel that way too. Like you don't have to have all the answers, but no one told you that, you know, like no one really told you that everybody was a little bit of fake it till you make it kind of thing. And, but you're also learning as you go. So I decided I wanted to fill that gap. And that's why I became a leadership coach specifically for first and second gen leaders of color who want to become confident and respected change makers in their industries. It makes sense when you see how that came from your own journey. And it also, as you were sharing this, it's funny because I feel like puzzle pieces are starting to click of like things that I didn't even know about you, which is like, I remember when we first started working together, you really were like, I want to be present with my son. That came from now I know you defaulting to like working hard in air quotes, because like, that's what we're so accustomed to doing that I think because you had experienced that you already were like, I don't want more of this. Like if I'm going to work for my, if I'm going to grow this business, like this is the way that I want to grow it. And I never want that to come at the expense of spending time with my son. And I, and I think that would be a, a reasonable thing for anyone to say, but I now understand a little bit more about like why that mattered so much to you in that time of your life. Well, and it's also this moment that I realized that when I grew up, my mom was a workaholic. But it was out of necessity. They needed to make ends meet. So my mom worked nights. My mom worked when they had a business, they had a restaurant. She'd work from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. all day. 
And it was to be able to provide for us to make ends meet so that they could take care of us. But I didn't get to enjoy my mom as a mother as much as I wish that I could have. And I'm like, I don't want my son to experience that too, that I'm always gone working and I he doesn't get to enjoy his mother. And that I don't get to enjoy being his mother. Like being a mom was always one of my dreams. And to then imagine myself not even being able to enjoy it. I was like, that's not going to be my reality. I am not going to replicate that cycle. And my mother's sacrifices make it so that I don't have to do that if I don't want to. That really hit when you said I didn't get to experience my mother as a mother, because I think so many of us like as first gen can really resonate with like our parents were working hard or our single parent was like working hard, but they didn't have either the time or the energy or the emotional energy to actually be our parent, which is also part of what makes us grow up so quickly. And like you and your awareness of that, because of your awareness of that, you were able to like make different choices to be able to create, you know, more time in your life and more options, which is what you did. So that was really powerful for me to hear too, because I've heard that from so many like clients, but I have also experienced that too with like, you know, with, with parents like working hard. And in a way, it's like, sometimes you get to see them being parents for the first time or like grandparents, you know, like when they're grandparents, it's like, oh, you kind of get to see them in a different light because they're not, you know, working as like they were before, you know? Yeah. I mean, and they were figuring out, my parents also didn't have, at least my mom didn't have the best role models of parents. So I actually have been telling her lately, I'm like, mom, like you should be so proud of yourself that you were the mom that you were and not get to be the grandmother that you are, even though you didn't have those role models yourself. Do you ever even think about how incredible that is that you did all that you did with the little guidance that you had? Because they were also figuring it out by themselves all the time. But we didn't realize that's what they were doing when they were when we were children and they were our parents. That is such a freaking healing moment when you're able to observe your parents, validate yourself as a child, right? And be like, but I, you know, I didn't have this. But then as an adult, having gone through your own healing to look at them and be able to like observe them as an adult and again have that compassion and that understanding, that's huge. That on its own helps you kind of have a different like relationship with your parents, just because you've had to go through the pattern of like, literally, you're breaking that cycle of like, scarcity and hyper independence and like doing it all and not having enough and all of that, which is huge. I think with that, I I want to hear a little bit about like this year for you. So I mentioned kind of at the beginning of the episode that you had started your business like last summer and had brought in 5k. And when we started working together in January, you know, you you really like had these big goals. But I think that you wound up doing way more than you really thought as quickly as you thought at the beginning of the year. So tell us a little bit about like what happened this year, like the growth, the milestones that you hit, the the challenges, like kind of just walk us through what this year has been like for you in terms of those milestones and the the income and what it really took. So I like to think of it as like, there was a lot of decision points in this journey. I had to really decide and bet on myself in the process and do things a little scared and not question <laughs> Try not to question the whole process because even working with you, like I had been following you for a while, Instagram, and I was like, oh, when I make a certain amount of money, then I'll hire Mariana. <laughs> like, <laughs> then I'll hire and I can do it. And then I got to this point, I was struggling. We all think that. <laughs> like, I see it as an investment in myself, not just an investment in my business. But I was struggling like my first six months of business. And I thought, okay, if I really want to do this, 
I got to go all in and I have to get the support that I need to be able to do it the way that I want to do it. And so that's what, that was one decision point, deciding to work with you. The other one was I was really scared of like showing up online. I was scared of el que dirán, what are people going to say? Are they like for me to, I keep thinking of the word like how we were taught not to be presumidas, to not show ourselves off. And so all of those messaging that we get, I remember like listening to... And for anyone who doesn't know, like presumida means like presumptuous, which basically just means like you're confident. And there's a lot of negative, in different languages, there's a lot of negative connotations attached to words that mean confidence, but they tend to be feminine, meaning like ending in an A. So like most of the time, they're really attached to women feeling confident. Mm -hmm. So presumida is one of them. And I forgot you even had those thoughts because that feels so far away now, at least in terms of like what I experienced from you. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I actually like had to reframe the word sinvergüenza for myself. Sinvergüenza is without shame. Yeah. I forgot about that too. Yeah. Like I should do things without shame. Yes. (laughs) Y'all, that's wild. Sinvergüenza is literally like, it's like a feminine put down. Yes. How often we're told, don't be that. And those things ingrained in me, even though I didn't realize it, because I had been fine. You know, I was telling you how I worked with law enforcement, district attorneys, and I was showing up and I was fine, but I was always doing it for somebody else. And here I was having to be the one in front, especially in front of audience of people that I didn't know. So I was so scared of doing it. So that mindset shift was also huge. And then just starting to like put myself out there on LinkedIn. That's where I show up the most on LinkedIn. And also like accepting opportunities like to do work with organizations or to work with clients. And uh, actually it was our first call. You said, you said, Oh, what are you doing for marketing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm doing these things, but I don't know if they're actually marketing things. You're like, those all are marketing things. That's your, like, I forgot how you said it, but you said like, that is you. That's what you need to continue to do. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And it's like basically however people find out about you is marketing. Because even if you go to events and you introduce yourself to people, that's how you market your business. And I think that like that was one thing that I remember early on me sort of just telling you like you are marketing your business. And also like you seem to have a strength for community building and relationship building. So like we need to center that and always kind of center either what feels easiest or most natural to you or just like what has been working. So I feel like a lot of that you were able to be like, okay, well, let's like do this on purpose. Yes. Now, you know, and the doing on purpose, I think is what worked because we started really working together. Like I think we had a call around in December and like really January, February, we started February is when we really started coaching. Yeah, it was February. Yeah, you're right. Uh huh. And in March, I booked my first two clients. Yeah, I remember that. I just sent you the screenshot of that the other day because I just, it's like, I'm so excited for you. Like, I just remember screenshotting that and you were like, my first two clients signed their contract. And I sent it to you because they're, they were like now up for renewal. And I was literally like, you moved into your new place. Think about where you were like seven months ago and like how much can happen in seven months. So you landed the first two clients in March. Yeah. And then I started to do also contract work with organizations. And I was able to join like a coaching collaborative and got a few more clients. And before I knew it, I still feel like I have postpartum brain, so I forget things. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. (laughs) I got booked out. I think it was what, June? 
Yeah, because I think it was like before I even went on vacation, mm-hmm. you yeah. were already booked out. Yes, and I didn't. And so, like from March to June. Yeah, but when you say it that way, like I don't. It feels like when you're in it, it feels like so much time. Like it's taking a long time. But when you reflect back, I'm like, that was only a few months. Yeah, and I was booked out. I had because. So I have a part-time like day job. Like that was also a decision because in February, I went part-time in my job because I knew that my capacity was not there to show up how I wanted to show up for my business and for my son. And so something had to give. And thankfully, my job was like understanding and let me go part-time, supported me around that. But yeah, but that was a major decision because part of what we work on together is like keeping track of what's working and what's creating results. And one of the things that we've talked about is how we all make identity decisions. So it's like you will make a decision of like, I am no longer going to do this thing or I am going to achieve this thing. And I don't know how, but I'm going to. So you deciding I'm going to go part time is literally what allowed you to create the space to even welcome the the clients for you to then eventually be booked out months later. And that it doesn't have to take a long time, but you laid out the groundwork. And then because you took those actions, you were able to actually get to that point. And I wanted to ask you, so in June, what did booked out look like for you at the time in terms of like number of clients and like you're still working part time? Did you have you? I think you still had Santiago at home with you. Like what did June look like for you or, you know, being booked out? What did that look like for you at the time? My goal had been four clients and I actually then realized I had six clients. So I was over my goal of like being booked out. And then I also had it was either two or three organization contracts but I was doing work with them. And so that was like me completely, my plate completely full, overflowing a bit also. And I was working part-time in my job. And then I was still, I think, in an okay place in terms of what I was doing with Santiago. Uh, oh, because I also didn't have childcare at that point. I mean, I, my mom helped me twice a this week. This is wild. You didn't have childcare. And so the yeah. whole time I was like, I know you have thoughts about that, but I'm already seeing where we need to create space in your life. <laughs> and so, yeah, talk to me kind of about that shift. Because at this point, you're literally like, you have more clients than you thought you would have at Booked Out. You were overbooked out and you had the organizational contracts and you had your part-time job and you had Santiago home with you most of the time and you had some family help, but that was starting to all boil over. Yes. So that was a decision. I was like, okay, well, mostly it was a decision because I realized that even though I had my son with me, even though he was here, I wasn't giving him the attention that I wanted to because I was being pulled to my job and my business and him in way too many directions. And it was stressing me out. And I wasn't as present as I wanted to be for him. And it goes back to what I said. I didn't just want to be his mom who was there. I wanted to be a present mom, you know? And so it was like, okay, it's time for childcare. And so I made a decision. He started childcare at the beginning of August. So it was still a few months of like figuring it out. My mom was great because she helped me. My sister started to help me a little bit more also during that time period. So I went from having my mom care for him twice a week to also having my sister help me one additional day a week. And that was enough until he went into childcare. To get you by. Yeah. And then what I was thinking about was, okay, you landed your first two clients in March. I literally have notes because like I know your trajectory. You had brought in like 35K by May, 50K by June or more than that. 
Then in July, this is like where you still didn't have child, like full-time childcare. You had your family helping you. That was the month where I was on vacation. Like I was in Puerto Vallarta with my daughter and I was like, this is, this is, I've been working towards this for years of like having this bougie vacation. And you, I was sitting next to the pool and you sent me this message on Voxer that you were like, I think I've already secured two contracts and it's 30K. And then you had another one that was in the works that could have been like 45K. Talk to me about July. Like what happened in July? So that was, I think, where we don't realize in business how some of the work you do takes time. So they were contracts that I had and work I had started to do months before, actually around March. It's the difference between having like coaching clients and having organizational clients. Coaching clients doesn't always take that long to just get the yes and onboard and do all that. But with organizations, they just have so much bureaucracy and like process they have to go through. And so it was taking time. So there was a few things that I had. I had one contract that was 14K and then the other contract that was either going to 15 or 30K. But they said, yes, I got yeses to both of them in that month. And I was like, I just, my feelings were <laughs> Unfortunately, the second one that was going to be their 15 or 30K ended up not working out on more bureaucracy. But I think at the end of the day, like it was a realization, wow, I can do this. Like I still got a 14K contract with an organization on my own. Absolutely. You still got a five-figure contract. And the other thing is when we're really looking at the evidence is that you created potentially really, it was like 30K of yeses, but it could have been 45K of yeses, but that ability is still there. Like that capacity to be like, that's in your reality now. Like no one can take away that that is a possibility for you, that you have a relationship and an authority and a credibility and a skill set that clients would pay $30,000 for a contract for. And that's still yours no matter what. Yeah. And I and I think I will say with those, like it's about realizing the relationships that you have, like leaning into the network. Because those were people who knew me, who had seen my work and trusted me to be able to do it. It was just things, some things that were out of their hands around decisions that were made by the organization. But like the person who wanted to hire me, they were ready to do it. It was just other pieces that didn't fall through, that fell through. Bring us to like now. So this is like in July, you brought in this contract as a five-figure contract. Tell us a little bit about like kind of where you are in terms of like being on track for a six-figure year and like just sort of what has happened since then. So one thing we were talking about recently is that I didn't even imagine myself at the beginning of the year, of this year, being on on track for a six-figure year. My goal in January was like, if I can make a thousand dollars a month, like I know my business will be okay. At least I'm making something in my business. And then in March, I hit 15K in my first quarter. And I was like, what? And I was like, okay, time to dream a little bigger and like just put it out there and have goals. And so right now I am, I've made 71K in my business so far. So we're in October. And so my goal is 90K. I know there's like potential for 100K, but my goal, but it, it just now at this stage when we're in quarter four of the year, it's like, okay, when we were talking about this, like, what do I need to do to bring in that 19K or kind of like 18K to, to get to the 90? Yeah, to get to the 90. And it's like, oh, it's three clients or maybe three, one, one coaching clients and maybe one organization thing or a training that I do 
it's not that crazy. Yeah, it's not that far-fetched. And you're asking different questions now. In fact, like based on our conversation, you came to me and was like, hey, I want to I want to bring in 20K. This is how I'm thinking about it. But you're coming in with, it's possible there's a lot of different ways to get there. And so that's such a different mindset of like that seeming so far-fetched. Now you're like, oh, we can actually do that in a lot of ways. It could either be this number of clients. And so we started to get very specific about well, what might that look like? Like, let's give your brain a specific assignment of like, what are all the different ways that 20K could just happen? And maybe it'll happen way sooner because you have so much evidence of times where you set a goal and then you hit it so much faster, but you're not attached to that happening, which is also key. So I've seen that growth in you as far as what you think is possible and really like giving yourself options and being like, there's lots of ways this can happen. What do I need to do? What do I need to repeat from like the past? What do I need in order to get there? Yeah. But I just wanted to reflect on your growth in terms of like, I say like almost like the level of belief that you are showing up with now and like the level of ideas and like resourcefulness, because you just know that that is that that's like your baseline, that that's possible for you. You know, what you said right there about the level of belief, because honestly, like I still have fears. I still worry, like, can I do this? Can I do that? But it's building a little bit more like of that self-trust piece. I didn't realize when I started this work that the belief, like my mindset, the way that I believed in myself was going to be such a big part of the work. And honestly, it's, it is the roots of building my business because when I've trusted myself more, when I believed in myself more, when I, it's when I've done my best. It's when I've seen the results come of it. And I, and I think that's one thing I had no idea was going to be part of this journey into entrepreneurship. Like none. Yeah. What helped you get there? Because I know that that doesn't just happen. People kind of sit around and they're like, well, you know, I'm just going to try a different thing or try harder. But I, it's like something has to like, interject, like what are some of the things that you think made the biggest difference for you this year in getting here? You call them success receipts. Like I keep thinking of like gathering evidence of that, it, that I've been able to do it and like leaning back into that, like knowing that, okay, I did it once. Why can't I believe that I could do it again? Or it's more like you did it once, you can do it again. Like there's that's one person hire you. Why won't someone else hire you? Look at what you're doing, uh, the job you're doing in helping this individual. You can repeat that again. So it's just like believing if you're able to do it once, you can do it again. I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, definitely. Like I think that it's there are certain points where you feel like it's the littlest evidence, but it's like that is by recognizing that you're recognizing like what's working. And I think that a lot of the times there's a lot more working than we realize, but because we're so fixated on what hasn't happened yet, and that winds up being this like self-fulfilling prophecy. So I feel like even just having that of being like, okay, this happened, or even when you were creating sales calls, but not all the sales calls were yeses, but I was like, but your marketing is working, Rosa, like your marketing is working. That's the hardest part. And it's like, then you don't need the attachment to the yes or the no, you're just going to continue practicing. And then you got better at sales calls too, because your marketing was working, but you were focusing on what was working versus what wasn't, and then just problem solving from there. Yeah. And really understand, because even with the sales calls, it was all mindset. Like I was doing fine, but I, the, I was questioning and the self-doubt, all of that, like kept coming up that I think was showing up in one way or another on the calls, like that I wasn't as confident. And the, when I got more confident, also I tend to be in my intellectual brain a lot. (laughs) 
And that's been another thing, like to just go with the flow and not over-prepare because I tend to also do that, being over-prepared. The sales is human, you know? Like I just think that it's almost like it takes you out of what your natural gift is, which is like listening, curiosity, holding space, being in service energy, mm-hmm. which is probably like where you reside most naturally. Like I think about us being daughters of immigrants, like that's like, that's probably what we default to. But I think it's like just bringing ourselves back to that, yeah. which you were able to do really well. And I know like a lot of the conversations that we had are, was around, you know, sales calls and really like simplifying that process. I wanted to recap some of the things that you've shared so far before we kind of go into other questions. So You talked about how at the beginning of the year, you had gone in for making 5k, like previously kind of were trying to figure out like, what does it mean to like grow my business? But you had you were like, I'm I'd be happy with just bringing in like $1,000 a month. And then we started working together. And then you had like a 15k March. And then it turned into like 35k. And then it was like a 50k for six months. And you were bringing in the corporate contracts, you brought in like the five figure contract, all these things, but you continued throughout that whole time to show up to coaching to like ask the hard questions to try the things, you know, to to basically to try on the coaching, to do what had been working, to keeping visible on LinkedIn, to do your lives, to just be in service to ask for help. It isn't a hundred things, but there were, there was a lot of like one thing at a time. And you just continued to kind of take the one thing at a time and build on that. And I really see that as a huge proponent of your growth. You really were like, I'm going to be a student of this and I'm going to continue to show up to coaching and, and implement and learn. And you didn't make anything mean the end of the world. Like you literally were a student this whole time and up until now of your business and taking it as as that versus like this attachment, which is actually pretty wild, I would say, for you to be a single parent and feel like you just always, I feel like there was always this underlying faith that you carried in the fact of yourself and your business and what could be possible for you. Well, that was, again, I keep saying decision points that we have to make in our lives because in, I think, November, that's when I decided to start working with you, but it was a decision point where I was like, this is not, well, if my business works, then I'll go back to what I was doing before. I was like, no, this has to work. There is no plan B. And it was about like deciding that I was going to make this work. And I just had to make sure I filled the gaps and the things that I didn't know because other people can, and honestly, that was one of my things wanting to work with you. Like, I know Yamaria, I was able to do it as a single mom, and I need somebody who's been through that journey to help me, who can really, really, really understand me. Because I think that's the thing when it comes to like getting a coach, getting someone who can see the multiple dimensions of who you are, not just like piece and who can understand. So you don't have to be translating parts of who you are for someone else. It's like, I think about it when I had a therapist. I had so many therapists and I never lasted really long with them. <laughs> I'm like, I think I lasted like at least no more than five sessions because I just always felt like I had to explain myself to them and I felt judged a lot of times. And then I found this one therapist, my last therapist that I had. She was so great. She was also Latina. She was from California. She spoke Spanish and I didn't have to translate anything for her. And so it was just like, realizing what is it that you actually need to be able to make it 
And that was one of my things. I need somebody who's going to have my back, support me, and I don't have to translate any of my life, not even the way that I speak to them. Mm, I love that. I feel like that's so powerful. And I think the other thing too with this is I think that sometimes, because you mentioned this to me around believing like what was possible for you, that it's when you see someone who has like a shared background with you and they're able to do something, then you're like, I know that they're going to help me grow with that in mind. Because I know that that was important to you, that you wanted to grow your business, but you wanted to grow it with being a single mother in mind and being present. I know that that also meant you needed to grow with profit in mind and being able to like pay the rent and be the breadwinner. And that's very different when you have backup systems or you have a spouse or you have other methods of like paying like, but when your business is, is really the moneymaker for you and and yourself, even with having a part-time job, because eventually like the plan is you're now, you know, you're shifting that that has to be done in a specific way considering you, your lifestyle, your needs, the risk you want to take, all these different things. So I hope that that always like felt like I like I just knew it was kind of like we met and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, this is just what it's going to be. I could see it. And so even the thousand a month, I was just like, no, we're <laughs> this is, it's going to be so much more than that. But I can't impose that on you. Because then it's almost like I'm hanging I don't want to ever like hang that over my client's head. But I'm just like, you can you're going to do more than that. But that's okay that you're going in with like the mindset of like, I'm open to everything is like a happy bonus. And it sure was (laughs) based on everything that you created this year. I wanted to talk a little bit about right now you're sitting in your two bedroom townhouse with a little backyard. It has a washer dryer. It has a driveway. You live in the Bay Area, which is one of the most expensive places to live in the entire country. And we talked about this house on our last private coaching call before you joined Reclamation. And I have it in my notes still. And you're sitting in there now and you just moved in last weekend. Talk to me about how this happened sooner than you thought. On our last private coaching call before you joined Reclamation, you told me how you wanted to move into a bigger place, but it was something that you saw for like next year. And I think at the time you were having thoughts about like your job and how quickly you wanted to leave and all these things. And you were seeing it as like a future thing. And I was like, well, what if it happens sooner than you think? I even remember being like, why don't we dream about the house? What do you want the house to look like? Why don't you find houses on Zillow, start saving them, get really specific about what you want in that house, like start dreaming about the house and like, what if it's already done? And I just remember that being, I vividly remember that because I've done the same thing when I moved into this place, which I felt like was way out of my league. But I had to go and be like, but what would it look like? Is it really out of my league? How much more is the rent? Because when I moved into this place, it was double the rent of what I was paying. And I heard those things and what you were sharing. And I was like, no, Rosa, I want you to dream and be like, is it out of reach? Is it actually something for next year? Or could it happen sooner? Tell me sort of what what happened. Yeah, no, that's exactly. I mean, I think that conversation was key because I was like, oh, I kept thinking in the future, one day, one day. And we said, what if it could be now? What would that mean for you? What would that look like in the different layers, you know, including the financial piece? So I actually went and I looked like, okay, how much do the type of homes that I want to live in, how much do they cost? And uh, how much more is that than what I'm making? And then also what it's like, you know how they have, you have to make certain amount of money in order to be able to afford that place like three times the cost. And so I did it and I'm like, oh, wow, I actually have made that between my job and my business now. So in my 
business, I've made 71K. And in my job, I made 49K this year. And together, I've made 120K, which is the most I've ever made in my life in one year. And it's not even the end of the year. And I'm like, I'm totally going to get emotional about that because that was my goal. Like when I, I said, like, if I can make 100 and between 120 and 140 a year, which to me felt like a lot of money. You know, I've worked on profit my whole life for the most part. And I just never thought of making that much, which for the barrier is not that much. <laughs> and so. Which is sad because it is actually a lot, especially because the majority of that you created yourself, which is way more powerful than a salary. Totally. And it's what made the difference that I could be, I think we were talking, I don't know if we talked about this already, but like the difference between there was another place that was $200 more a month. And I'm like, can I make $200 more a month in my business? Yes. Which is very different than like in my job, I couldn't just make $200 more a month. I was stuck in a certain amount. So the goal was to move in and credit place in December. But then I realized I've made enough already to be able to afford something why am I going to wait if I'm not happy where I live, impacting my joy? It's impacting, I think, even my business. Because being here, Mariela, like, I feel a lightness. One, there's literally light coming in through all the windows. You have a beautiful backyard. I complimented your windows. I was like, oh my God, that, that's like that. That's a whole house that you live in right now. And, you're, yeah, and your house can make you money. And I think, I don't know if I said this specifically, but I look at living spaces as money-making energy. Which is why you, you're, you, when you were an entrepreneur, you are right to be like, do I feel expansive in this space? Do I feel rich? Do I feel wealthy? Do I feel expansive in this space is important. Well, that's a whole other conversation we can go into, but because I even like the idea of am I worthy of luxuries and wealth and all those things have always been a challenge for me, like my money issue mindsets. But yes, the whole, being in the space, I can already feel like I'll have a space where I can have my office and my desk. I was literally working off of my kitchen table with like stuff all everywhere because there was just not enough space for us. And now I get to have my desk back and I get to have a place where I can just focus. Like, I want to get one of those whiteboards you have. So, because I, I always like, oh, I wish I had to show my clients what I'm trying to do, but there was just not enough space for it. And now I have the space to. Also, just feel the type of presence I want to have when I'm working with clients. And I think it will it change how I show up. I think I was doing fine, but to be able to elevate it to, to another level, you know, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I literally cried when you shared that on a reclamation call like a few weeks ago because you were like, I found a place it's in October. And I was like, wait, 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 we just talked about this like a few months ago. And it was on your vision board for next year. And like, you kind of just casually mentioned it. And I was like, do you realize like, how big of a deal this is that you went for it? And like, you're doing this as a single mom, like, I just, I teared up because I think so much of my own story. It's like, to me, it's just so meaningful to see other women like me doing that and creating their own options. And like modeling that for their children of like a mother that is well taken care of and peaceful, a mother who is making her own money, a mother who's creating choices for herself. It's just beautiful. So I'm just, it would make me, it's going to make me emotional if I talk about it, but I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. And you know, I've been thinking about the whole stories we've been told about being a single mother. 
and how much like I avoided it my whole life. <laughs> in, like, in so many ways, like because it would be the worst thing that could ever happen to you to become a single mom or get you're like destitute is kind of like what they say. No one like you know, most people don't plan to be a single mom, right? But you you don't really get told stories of like you're gonna feel so empowered, you have so many options. Yes. And I'll say for me, like at these these last years of my life, like I knew motherhood was gonna be something in my life whatever it was going to look like. And I think it was a good time in my life because I'm older and just wiser and more confident in myself to be able to make certain decisions. But that was one of the things that I was so like determined, like I am going to change that narrative for myself and for my family, like that it's not the worst thing that could happen to you. There are worse things that could happen to you than become a single mother. Maybe if that had happened when I was in my 20s or my teens, it would have been a different story, but it's also around the stage I am in my life. Like I'd already made moves in my career, but I just was not going to be, that was not going to be my narrative. That was not going to be my story. Like, And I feel like that's one of the things I'm most proud of right now. Like I am successful as a single mother and I'm still showing up for my son. Is there still work to do? Yes. Like, is it perfect? No. But I am, like, that's one of my goals. This is going to be okay. I would love if you would just share a little bit about, you know, we worked together privately at the beginning of the year, and then you joined the Reclamation Mastermind, which this round, last round kicked off in August. And it was something that we talked about where I think you were just sort of open to like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's next for me? And I really thought that at a certain point, once you've made them, you've made a certain amount of money, like you know how to sell at that point, it's actually more beneficial for us to be in a community and really change who we talk to and like our friendships and those conversations and really just like normalize some of those, you know, struggles and really just have that community. So tell me a little bit about like, what has it been like since you've joined Reclamation? What has it been like being part of it? And how has it, you know, been part of your growth more recently? So I knew the whole time I wanted to continue working with you because I love working with you. But one of the things we have been talking about is that I've been missing community, you know, and other people who are also like struggling with some of the same things as an entrepreneur, as a coach. And so that's been definitely what I found in this space. I love my mastermind sisters. They're just so amazing. And they're so freaking badass too. Like uh, <laughs> You guys all are, honestly. <laughs> they're just like, I am in awe of being in that room, that space with them, because there were already people I kind of followed some of them. And I was like, I get to be in this space. And I feel like there is something that happens because of, uh, sometimes you don't know what you don't know when you're in one-on-one coaching. But then being able to one to definitely hear other people being coached, I'm like, that is what's happening to me too. I just didn't have the words or the things to explain it. So to even hearing other people being coached, I get coached, you know. And I, because we're all like on different journeys and different parts of our entrepreneur like trajectory, but it also there's so many similarities, so many things that are coming up. And I also love just having the support because something like we have our own little boxer group and sometimes people will be like, I'm just having a bad day and I need somebody to like benefit with or this thing happened or can I get some advice on this? And to just have people who I love my friends, they're wonderful, but they don't get me like the women in this group get me. And they don't know all of the 
pieces that are at play, like the women in this group do. Plus, I love that you're bringing in like different speakers to teach us around different different parts, like that I probably would be trying to figure out how do I... There's one I have to rewatch that I think is like how to repurpose. I still have to rewatch that one. because Oh, using AI? Yeah. 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 Content repurposing yeah. with AI. And some of it is like, you may not just do it in that moment, but it's like always a resource. Yeah. I'm like, that's one of the things I need to get better at content repurposing because I have enough content and I have a few videos and things like that I haven't used. So that, that's my next goal. But that I, you just... There's like community and there's resources, but then we have also a plan of what we're working on around our visibility. And so there's just all these pieces. I think sometimes I personally struggle with just like doing all the things, but that's always been part of my journey. (laughs) Because it's like, what do I focus on? But it will all, but I'm still moving. Like, and I think that's been the the calm in this whole process. They're also all moving and there it's, sometimes imperfect that's what makes it also perfect that it is imperfect and to see other people like oh they struggle too is so calming normalizing i don't know that people realize like that's one thing for masterminds in the right mastermind room right where people feel safe to actually admit and ask for the coaching normalizing will change your life like i honestly think that a lot of what makes entrepreneurship hard is like us feeling like we individually are having a hard time and maybe not having people like you mentioned around your friends and you can like, you can love your friends. And also they have no idea what's going on in your brain as an entrepreneur. It is another planet. And it is so important for you to have friends, a Voxer group somewhere you can pick up your phone and be like, guys, this is what's happening right now. This is what I'm thinking, or I'm just having a hard time, or this happened with a client. Change your life. So I'm. that's why when you guys talk about like, oh, you like come to the live calls and you like already have just been having side conversations in Boxer. And I was like, great, like you guys are just supporting each other. And then that gets to be, the, the calls get to have a different tone because like you guys do have this relationship where you support each other outside of that. Yeah. And I think that piece is what you said, like having the right people in the mastermind, like, because I already knew what somebody had introduced me to Danny. She's another person. So we had the connection. We're like, we're going to go into this together. And so I already knew I knew. Yeah. Which Danny was another private client of mine. So I introduced you guys already because you were both LinkedIn queens. And I was like, you guys need to know each other. But there were other clients of mine that I knew were renewing or people who were joining. And I was like, I literally cannot wait for you guys to all meet because I just felt like it was just such, it's just like the the mix of like the backgrounds and all of that was just so good. And I think everyone's like first gen. There's just the the parts of like you said, the parts of yourself you don't have to explain. Talk to me about that. Just like the being in a room of women like you. Well, I'll say I've definitely had that in my life before, but this is a different type of experience because... Yeah, everybody just gets you. It's going back to what I said around the therapist, like and having a coach. Like you don't have to translate things for people; they just get you. You will we see in the chat, or you'll see in people's screens, like they're just nodding or agreeing, or that's me too. The validation, the affirmation, the being seen is really nice. I also feel like having a space. Someone said something recently. I think it was Ariel who was like or it was Steph that was like, we all are as daughters of immigrants, like we need safe spaces to fall apart. And that really stuck with me. Because I think that bringing women of color together in a room on its own is not necessarily community, it needs to be a place that people feel like they can bring their whole selves. 
Did you ever feel weird about like asking for coaching or like being vulnerable? Like, tell me a little bit about that. I love how your face was like, yes, obviously. Because I hear this so much about people saying, I'm not a group person. I'm not a mastermind person. I don't want to talk about my things in a group. And I, and I hear that and I think I know why. And it's because of the fear of being vulnerable in a group and not trusting it. So like, how has that been for you? with <laughs> like being vulnerable in a group. So for me, I think actually it's a little bit different because I don't want to take up. It's going back to taking up space and like, oh, I already shared last week. I don't want to share this week. And what if other people want to share? And I have to keep reminding myself that, okay, if I'm getting something out of hearing other people being coached, they're probably getting something out of hearing me being coached. To me, it's probably an eldest daughter thing um, or a, a woman thing, a woman of color thing that like we take two steps back because we don't want to take up space. And how I, again, I'm trying to live una vida de presumida y sinvergüenza, you know, <laughs> like where, if that's what I'm trying to do in the rest of my life and what I'm trying to show my clients, because so much, many of my clients are also struggling with some of it. I need to do it first, you know, like I have to do it. And how can I? tell them to do it if I'm not willing to do it for myself. And so that's been a part of like going through it. Cause I, again, I come from nonprofit. A lot of my work has been with survivors of trauma. And so I'm used to being in spaces where we need to be vulnerable. And I understand the piece around being vulnerable. Like I don't have a hard time being vulnerable with that, but that's my personal experience. Not everybody comes from that background, but we're not going to get the most out of it if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And seeing the women that were in that space, honestly, allowed me to even be more than I probably would have been. Mm, I love that. And that that's such a good point. I'm glad that you brought that up, that it's not always about fear of being vulnerable. It's just, sometimes it's just sitting in the discomfort of taking up space in a group yeah. because that isn't yeah. necessarily like not something that we're modeled. And I think in so many ways too, that the way that we, in, in, in a mastermind we feel safe in, that the way we show up in that mastermind is the way we show up in business because it does bring like light to some of the shadows of like, I'm taking up too much space or I shouldn't sell I'm celebrating too much or I don't have anything to celebrate. Like all these things really just show us like how we think about ourselves. So I'm glad that you shared that because I think that's really important. Okay. You know me, I could ask you like so many questions, but I think that this was just, it, this was just so powerful to show people what is possible and how centering like your needs, your life, like the way that you want to grow your business and really just taking it like one step at a time and really like centering your strengths and asking for the coaching, all of that, like how that has really like brought you here. To close out, I would just like to open it up to like, is there anything that I didn't ask you about or anything that you wanted to share? So one of the things I was thinking about right now is the means actually come up with my clients because, and I think I mirror a lot of like my experience that end up coming, they end up coming up and coaching with my clients too. But so much of this journey is decision making, but also just doing things from a place of courage. And I actually love the word courage in Spanish, which is coraje, because it has like this double meaning, like, oh, coraje can mean like a valor, like having the courage to do something. But coraje is also like the determination, kind of from a place of like 
a little bit of anger and, and that might not be the best term to think, but like it's, it's so much deeper, like there's an emotional connection to it. And I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to do it. And sometimes we don't want to do it because we're afraid of what's going to be at the other side of it. But it's just about doing a few things that are outside of your comfort zone to do a few things scared and you will be able to get to that other side. Like what's the worst that will happen if you do do it? And what's the worst that will happen if you don't? And I always think of the worst that will happen if I don't is I will never see the other side of that. And the worst thing that will happen if I do is that I will know, oh, well, it didn't work out and I'm still where I was, you know? And is it like even possible for like nothing to come from it? Like we're always going to learn something and we're always going to like, no matter what, you're still going to be steps forward because of the learning. So that was so powerful where you said like the worst that can happen is that like you haven't taken any steps forward. Yeah. Like I, I think it's another, maybe, I don't know, this thing that's always been ingrained in me that I do have dreams and aspirations. I think we've talked about community cultural wealth and one of the pieces that comes out of it is aspirational, you know, as Daughters of immigrants, we have aspirational capital, which means we dream, we have goals, and it's so ingrained in us. My parents always, always had dreams for me, and their dreams became my dreams, and then my dreams got bigger than their dreams, you know? Like, they could have never dreamt for this for me. And so I just, like, it's ingrained in all of us that we dream and we aspire for more. And so we can't just stay stuck in one place. We have to try. And that's what takes courage to actually do it and believe in ourselves. Oh, that is so beautiful, Rosa. Like, honestly, my parents had dreams for me and then my dreams became bigger than their dreams. And that it's almost like we can't not try. Like it's in our blood to create more, to desire more, to really like climb up that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that's where we ask ourselves those bigger questions, like once those needs are taken care of. So it's like, this is just part of the journey. And you're such an example of that. So thank you so much for being with us today. How can people connect with you online, work with you, learn more about you? So I show up the most on LinkedIn. So you can always uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I post, I also do like weekly lives. I host an event for first gen once a month as well. So uh, definitely like I love communities. So connect with me on LinkedIn. And then uh, I have a website as well. It's like, oh, it's okay website, you know, you guys are so <laughs> We're going to have all the links in your, we're going to have all the links, but if they want to hang out with you and get to know you and learn from you and go to your lives and they can check you out on, on LinkedIn. Yes. I love connecting. So definitely. Well, thank you Rosa so much for being with us today. This was just like, it moved me, even though like, I know your story, I learned new parts about you and like what made you who you are and, and all of that. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful and I'm so grateful to have you in reclamation and just to continue seeing your growth. So thank you so much. Yes, yes, thank you.